I feel inspired to hurry now to Bethlehem. But instead, I will invite you to rise in either body or spirit as we hear this morning's gospel lesson, which comes to us today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Matthew writes, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child marry his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm a person who loves a habit. I'm a person of great ritual. I'm a person who loves a pattern. For example, I wake up every single day, and when it's time to get out of bed, I put on my watch, gotta count my steps, and then I take my 20 or so to start the day to the coffee maker, where I make the exact same cup of coffee every day. And then I take that cup of coffee, and I sit down and I watch my TikToks for about 20 minutes got to stay caught up on the FYP. When I go to the grocery store, I buy the same brand and flavor of yogurt, even though there are probably 25 different brands of yogurt and at least as many flavors. If it is not strawberry and if it is not silk, I do not want it. Every time I teach a yoga class, I end with the same Sanskrit wish for deep and abiding peace. When I was in graduate school, I wrote all of my important grad school papers to the same Spotify playlist. And every year, I enact one of my favorite rituals. I hang my new lunar calendar. What is a lunar calendar, you may be wondering. Well, every year for Christmas, Lauren gets me a new lunar calendar that marks the day of the month that the new moon and the full moon will happen. And so I, not only is this a beautiful piece of art that hangs in our home, but also an opportunity for me to look and see what the moon is up to. It's also helpful for Lauren because she's a teacher, so she can prepare herself for the children when the full moon is happening. <laughs> Works for many things, but, but I love the pattern of the moon and, and I love the, the, this ritual that I have of hanging my calendar. And as I hung my calendar this week to mark the new year, I thought about the Magi, and about our scripture lesson in Matthew today. 
The Magi are relatively well understood to have been astrologers. These would have been observers of the heavenly bodies. To understand truly the special calling of the star that they followed all the way from their home country, they would have been people who watched for the patterns of the stars. They would have watched carefully night after night when the sky was clear for what patterns might emerge from the heavenly bodies. And when they saw this new star rise and begin to move, they thought we should follow. So the text tells us that the Magi observed the star at its rising, which caused them to journey all the way from their home country to Jerusalem to inquire about this child who was born king of the Jews. Our text is unclear about how this news might have traveled to King Herod, but quickly in the text we see that Herod is concerned, and the text says, and all of Jerusalem with him. And so he secretly calls for the Magi to discuss what star they have seen. The Magi then go to the place where Jesus was and offer him gifts. And having been warned in a dream, they don't go back the way that they came. There are a lot of places in this text where we could dive in. There's a lot of really juicy scholarship around how the story of the Magi tees up Matthew's particular telling of Jesus' early childhood, his escape to Egypt, and ultimately how Matthew is concerned over and over and over again with Jesus, King of the Jews. There's also really great literature about the Magi who were Gentiles being these eschatological, these eschatological beings, these people who spoke of the next time, talking about how Matthew was cueing people from very early, that Jesus did not just come for the Jews, but for all people. Or one of my personal favorites, we could dive into the fact that in the Gospel of Matthew, the Magi come upon Jesus in a house and not in a stable, like all of our Western songs and tales and live nativities proclaim. And were that the case, we might be able to avoid the itchy straw in the manger. There's a ton in just these few verses that we could zero in on. But today I want us to think about the Magi and how when they came to the person of Jesus, the wisdom of the ages in, their, in, in, the, in the Magi met the lowly in Jesus. Generally, as I've already mentioned, Magi astrologers, they would have been very learned and highly respected. And as much as I would love to join Shella in believing that they could have been wise women, maybe a Yentl situation, they were likely men. They would have been literate in this time, and only those of high status would have been able to learn to read. And as such, they would have been very respected in Near Eastern culture, and for their abilities to read the skies, and also for their position. They might even have been seen as political officials in their home empire, and, and their presence in Jerusalem, very much a, an honorable way to honor a new king from, a king from a nearby kingdom. Thus, because of their title and the gifts that they bring to the Christ child, we are to understand them to be wealthy and powerful people with the means not only to bring expensive gifts, but the means to travel a great distance to search for the child whose star they saw. As we read, we see the Magi begin to acquire in Jerusalem. As I mentioned, we're not sure exactly how news spread to Herod. The text doesn't tell us. 
But ultimately, the news does arrive to King Herod, who is afraid, because the birth of a king of the Jews is a threat to Herod's political power in the region. So now in the text, we have the presence of these two powers. We have the power held by King Herod, and we have the power of the foretold king of the Jews, baby Jesus. And we have the Magi, people of great wisdom and knowledge, who are bringing into perspective the tension between the reigning king and the prophesied king. Because the Magi did not travel a great distance to bring gifts to Herod, rather they came seeking the resting place of the star. And when the star settles over Bethlehem, they do not find the baby born king of the Jews amidst royalty. They do not find him behind the fortified walls of a temple. Jesus is not born into wealth or prosperity. Instead, he is born to a young, unwed mother without great means and without great power. Jesus is lowly. He is not kingly. And to me, this is one of the most captivating parts of this story, that the Magi lower themselves in the presence of this lowly babe and they offer him gifts of precious metals, fragrant spices, and resins, gifts that even to this day are expensive, gifts fit for a king. And at the moment in Matthew, we see this convergence of the great story of God with us, the power of God made flesh, born into humble means, given the respect of wise men with incredible power. And as all of this is transpiring, in the background of the story, the fear of Herod and his great greed consuming him, his fear that leads him to massacre babies, sentences after this story in the Gospel of Matthew. Fear of losing our power can cause us to do great things. But we see the Magi paying homage to Jesus, and I believe that there is something truly holy for us here in the story, something we could miss if we're not too careful. I think about the Magi showing up into the house where the baby Jesus was and thinking, surely we've made a mistake. Surely this is not the baby born king of the Jews here lowly with an unwed, unwealthy mother. Maybe we should go back to our home country. Maybe we should go back and consult the stars. Maybe we should go back and consult our maps and our knowledge because surely this is not the baby that we're looking for. But instead, the Magi accept the Christ child immediately, the child foretold by the heavenly star, and they offer their respects and their gifts to this poor and lowly baby. And as they do so, we see in this moment a meeting of power structures and wealth, meeting poverty and oppression, and honoring Christ's lowly station. This is a recognizable rhythm. It is a pattern of our gospels. It is a pattern of our faith, the meeting of power structures and God, and the constant, constant turn towards the lesser, the poor, the oppressed, the constant turn to favoring the unlikely king. And I believe that that's our call, to take whatever power and wealth and honor that we have and to offer it to the lowly. In just a few minutes this morning, we're going to have the opportunity to remember our baptism. 
at which time we make a covenant vow to reject the evil powers of oppression and to resist those powers in whatever forms they present themselves. I do not think that it is a coincidence that we celebrate the arrival of the kings on the same Sunday that we celebrate the baptism of the Lord. I believe that these two stories are telling us the same thing, that it is imperative that when we have power, it is imperative that when we have means, that we do not hesitate to do just as the Magi did when they looked upon the lowly face of Christ. Whenever we see the face of Christ show up in our world, we are to turn to the lesser, to the oppressed, to the unlikely king. And whenever possible, to offer our gifts in the direction of the lowly babe, Jesus Christ. When we do that, we make ourselves, our church, and our world the place of peace that Christ came to bring about. When we find these opportunities to choose the lesser, the poor, the oppressed, may we just as the Magi not hesitate or wonder if maybe we've made a mistake. May we not wonder if maybe it would be better or easier to preference power over wisdom without, without fear of losing our own power or wealth or status. Let us give like the Magi give to the baby Christ. And I believe that as we do so, as it becomes our pattern to do so, that we will be the light, just as the star of Bethlehem, to shine into our world. The light as the star shone over Bethlehem will shine with us, indicating for all of us that indeed, God is with us and the kingdom is here. May it be so. Amen.